This is Fine Rambles, number 61. All right. I got a brisket in the oven. Let's get rambling. So (laughs) where to begin this week? You know, I couldn't help myself. I ended up watching some of the videos that were taken at the Portland <laughs> the Portland rallies where Antifa beat up Andy No. <laughs> you know, it's obviously way too soon to really understand what's going on, but I was thinking about the different type of people, the different types of people that Antifa attracts. And, you know, I wish I knew more about them. I'm speaking from a position of almost total ignorance. But it seems to me that an organization, a a loosely organized organization like that, is naturally going to attract people who who want to be violent, right? And those, those are the wolves. And I think most sensible people understand that someone in in full body paramilitary gear who's armed with brass knuckles and baseball bats and bike locks, basically anything they think they can get away with without probably a felony charge, those people are assholes. But watching the video, most of the Antifa people they felt like sheep. And aside from a handful of these violent assholes, (laughs) in the videos, everyone else just looks remarkably calm. They look too calm. They look, I don't know how to put this, they look like, they look like they're at a picnic, (laughs) right? They're eating watercress sandwiches and they're sipping iced tea from their thermos. And meanwhile, they're they're surrounded by cops in in riot gear and tasers and and tear gas and i'm sure these are the people who you know supposedly hate and fear the cops and they're right there next to them and they're you know again they're eating their watercress sandwiches and not only that they're they're in harm's way from from the violent assholes on both sides of these of these clashes What's funny is even the sheep join in sometimes. Even they mix it up occasionally. They, uh, they take a poke at someone. They take a swing at someone. It's, it's very strange behavior. And, you know, again, I'm not saying I understand it. There's probably as many explanations as there are participants. And some of those, some of those Antifa members, they were probably brainwashed by their you know, they're radical leftist professors and, you know, they see this as a good way to get some meaning into their dry, rational lives <laughs> that otherwise are basically just student debt and nihilism. And maybe some of them were pressured by their peers and they see this as a way, you know, to signal how virtuous they are and how moral they are without really having to do anything but the fulcrum of the butt. A friend of mine has a different theory. So he plays video games and he thinks for most of the members of Antifa, Antifa is just, for them is just live action role playing. They're LARPing. They're LARPing. 
Okay, so sorry. All right. <laughs> what the hell is LARPing, Matt? Okay, so when I was in New York, there were these kids from NYU, and they would gather in Washington Square Park, and they would duel <laughs> with these, like, plastic lightsabers. And, you know, the lightsabers were really cool. They lit up in different colors, and it looked like a lot of fun. And the sort of, you know, social, relaxed activity that's perfect for college kids. They were basically playing a video game in real life with their friends. And occasionally you'd see them role-playing other characters. They'd role-play Harry Potter, right? Same idea. It's one thing to LARP on a fall afternoon in Washington Square Park and play at being a Jedi. But it's another to role-play, you know, (laughs) brown shirts. It's another to role-play Jets versus Sharks and commit assault and battery. And here's my point. I think, I think this is one of my points. I don't know if the sheep in Antifa know the difference anymore. They still have this almost childish take, as though they can role-play near cops and, you know, other violent people, and nothing bad can possibly happen to them. It's almost... It's almost this, uh, this infant mentality, right? They're, they're grown-ups in nappies. They're, they're adults in, in swaddling clothes. And, you know, who can blame them? After a lifetime of being overprotected by their parents and their teachers, they seem to feel they can do anything they want. They can hit someone over the head with a stick and they can still <laughs> and they can still go home and get a bottle and a burp and go to bed they don't seem to understand that actions have consequences and maybe that's because in their life actions never have had consequences and so here's the crazy thing when they hit someone and that person has the audacity to hit back or when they assault someone and they get arrested. You see this in the videos. Their reaction is just shock and, and disbelief because they don't see what they're doing as real. It's just a game. We're just role playing. And, you know, I kind of get that mentality, right? So imagine, imagine you're playing one of these online video games like, I don't even know, World of Warcraft or something, and then you beat up on some enemy character, you know, some non-player character, some NPC, as they call it. And, and when they hit you back, you feel it in real life, right? IRL. You actually take the punch. I don't know about you, but if that happened to me while I was playing a video game, I'd be shocked too. I'd probably start crying. I'd probably protest that it wasn't fair or they weren't allowed to do that. And that's how these adult infants behave. They think they can do anything they want and remain totally safe and consequence free. <laughs> again, it's like these videos where you see, again, and you've, you've probably seen this in real life, when you see a woman beating up a man, She kicks the man, she hits him in the head, she throws things at him, and then finally, at some point, he has enough and he hits her back. And her reaction is the same. 
It's the same. It's shock. She's dumbfounded, right? She never imagined that someone she was hitting would ever hit her back. And I think that's just a symptom of being out of touch with reality, of looking at reality as though it's a game where you can always walk away anytime you want without repercussion, where no matter how much violence you engage in, the other side can never do the same. You're always safe. Here's what it reminds me of. And again, you know, I'm probably wrong. And if you have a different opinion, I would love to hear it. I would love to hear some pushback to this idea. But at least at first blush, it reminds me of people who believe what they read on the front page of the New York Times. It reminds me of people who, who read The New Yorker. <laughs> okay, so, so um, okay, I have to find this quote. I have to find this quote. I will be right back. Okay, I'm back. So there was this very brilliant cultural commentator by the name of Robert Warshaw, who died very young, and he wrote some absolutely brilliant essays that were compiled into a book called The Immediate Experience. And one of the essays is very short, and it talks about E.B. White and The New Yorker. And, you know, <laughs> Matt, what are you doing? Don't read a quote. Don't read a quote because, you know, quotes just suck the energy out of a podcast. And, you know, I understand that, but my apologies. I'm still figuring, I'm still figuring this podcasting stuff out. So I hope you'll, you'll bear with me. So he writes, quote, The New Yorker, at its best, provides the intelligent and cultured college graduate with the most comfortable and least compromising attitude he can assume toward capitalist society without being forced into actual conflict. The New Yorker has always dealt with experience, not by trying to understand it, but by prescribing the attitude to be adopted toward it. This makes it possible to feel intelligent without thinking, and it is a way of making everything tolerable. For the assumption of a suitable attitude toward experience can give one the illusion of having dealt with it adequately. History may kill you, it is true, but... You have taken the right approach. You have, sorry, you have taken the right attitude. You will have been intelligent and humane and suitably melancholy to the end. End quote. Okay, so it's like the New York Times or the New Yorker is a glass of warm milk. <laughs> okay? Its purpose isn't to show you reality. It's not to educate you. It's not to inform. Its purpose is to show you a simplified, black and white, low-resolution, comforting, reassuring version of society, of reality, for people for whom reality is just a little too much to handle. But here's the problem. You can't interact with reality through a glass of warm milk, okay? You can't let authority figures mediate reality for you 
because they'll infantilize you. And I think this is the same idea at Antifa. They're treating reality as they want it to be rather than how it is, okay? That's a recipe for fucking disaster because it means you will care more about having the correct attitude, the correct opinions, than acting correctly, right? Judge the tree by its fruit. And this means that if all we care about is the right attitude or presenting ourselves as moral and virtuous, we will, we will sit back and watch the world burn and will care more about coming up with the clever tweet than we will about the fact that the world is actually, you know, actually fucking burning. And I think it's even worse than that. I think it's even worse because we'll probably start some fires of our own. Because why not, right? It's just a game. We're just role-playing. <laughs> We're just LARPing. We're just having a bit of fun. It doesn't matter. Because we know deep in our hearts that no matter how crazy things get, the adults will always show up in the end. The adults will come and they will protect us and they will keep us safe. And until then... We think we can do whatever we want without repercussion. Okay, that was a weird one, not going to lie. That's all I have, and I'll catch you next week.